Well, this morning we're talking about love and fear and how those two um, are really kind of opposite ends of the spectrum more than anything else. And in the last several months, this has kind of been a, a theme of my preaching. It's, a, it's something that's cropped up in more sermons than not, and it's just something I wanted to emphasize um, one more time before next week because I, I really do think I am becoming more and more convinced that this is kind of the crisis of our age, of our current day, um, in the, the climate that we're living in, the world that we're living in, whether that's politically, the news cycle, technologically, culturally, whatever, all of that can be boiled down to a choice between love and fear. And sometimes this comes off um, kind of uh, lightheartedly, right? Um, you might have heard the, the phrase FOMO, which is fear of missing out, F-O-M-O, -O, fear of missing out. Um, I was talking with somebody that was um, just graduated college a couple weeks ago, and you know she's at that that point in her life where she has to figure out what's next, right? The thing that every college graduate dreads, all right? Um, what's next? Where's the job? Where to live? And she was kind of paralyzed um, with all the different choices that lay in front of her um, because she had several different options of places to look and things like that. And she said, really, it's a hard, I'm having a hard time making a decision because of FOMO, because of a fear of missing out. If I choose option A, then I'm not choosing option B. And what if option B was really the good thing? What if it was the thing I was supposed to do? And that in the day and age of social media, that's not helping us. Because even after you choose option A, you see that so-and-so chose option B, and man, they're looking pretty happy. I don't know. I might have made the wrong choice. And there's actually studies that have been done on this that as our options and the number of choices we have increases, our satisfaction with those decisions tends to decrease, right? There is a point where too many options is a bad thing. Um, think about it this way. In a workplace environment, studies have shown that the more retirement options that are offered, the less people enroll. So that if they're, the, the optimum number is about 3 to 12, if there's 3 to 12 retirement options, the average company will have the most amount of people enroll. But once they get past 12 options for retirement, enrollment numbers start to dip. At a certain point, the number of choices we have becomes crippling, and we just don't handle it, and so we choose to make no decision, which is a decision in and of itself, because we are frozen, we're paralyzed, and at the root of that is fear, fear of missing out, fear of making the wrong decision. That's kind of a, a lighthearted way, right, when thinking about social media. But fear is also playing a, an important role in our news cycle today, right? Just turn on the news, as I know I've said many, many times. Fear sells. Fear sells real good. Fear sells on three different channels, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, so good that, they, that each of those channels now has a spinoff channel, right? Um, fear sells, and it sells very well. And in fact, if you want news that isn't depressing, it's really hard to find it. You have to go look for it, right? Um, and I actually found it. I just want to share this little tip. Um, the New York Times has an email newsletter, and it's This Week in Good News. And once every Saturday, they send you an email with five good news stories from the week. It's awesome. It's my favorite email I get every week. It's my favorite newsletter that I've signed up for. And because they knew, like they, they've said the same thing. We know that news is scary. We know that news is, is rarely good anymore. So here's something to help turn the tide. And I'm so glad they do that. But because that a newsletter specifically has to be labeled a good newsletter, 
shows you just how much we assume that the default is bad news. It's not good news. It's all based off of fear. Fear of um, the other, fear of the economy, fear of whatever it is, pick your subject. And so fear has, has corrupted, it's crept in, it's, it's everywhere. And it might not be front and center, but it's probably the issue behind the issue. And so it really boils down to this decision between fear and love. Something that a lot of psychologists and counselors will tell you that um, these, are, these are kind of two of the most core, the most basic human emotions that we have. And it's impossible to, to experience them both at the same time. They use different parts of the brain, and when you're operating out of fear or you're operating out of love, the, the, the opposite part of the brain, it starts to be suppressed. When your amygdala kicks in, when you're experiencing fear, um, your, your, the frontal cortex starts to shut down, which is where love comes from, and then vice versa. So it's really hard to operate out of both. And obviously there's a better way to operate out of love than there is out of fear. And that's what scripture teaches us, and that's what we need to look at this morning. 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7, um, says this. This is a familiar passage, I'm sure, to a lot of you. So I, I just invite you to listen now, and it says this. <clears throat> Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. For whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, then God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. That's the key here, his spirit. The Holy Spirit is the only thing that can make this kind of love possible. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, then God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. And whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. That's Christ-likeness. That's holiness. That's who we are as a holiness people. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because first he loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And if he has given us this command, he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. The word of the Lord this morning. Perfect love drives out fear. There is no room for this fear when we have experience, when we live in and live from the love of God. And I'm sure you've probably heard this. The most numerous command in the Bible is what? Not love one another. Not do unto others. The most numerous. What do you hear the most? 
do not fear. Fear not. It's actually, you might have, sometimes it floats around on Facebook that there's 365 fear nots in the Bible. That's, that's actually not true. There's about 100. There's about 100 fear nots. And it depends on your translation, whether it's fear not, do not fear, do not be afraid. But of all the variations, from all the little places that I've scanned and looked, there's between 70 and 100 do not fears, fear nots, do not be afraid, right? Well, some of them, it's the angel or the messenger of God coming and saying, do not be afraid, right? Because yes, that would be my first reaction, right? If a big glowy being shows up in my bedroom and is about to give me a vision, oh, I'm panicked, okay? Legit. Um, but it's also speaking about how the God calls us to big and grand things. Any of the prophets, all of the prophets experienced hardship, but they were still told not to fear because God is with them. And so this most numerous command throughout the entire Bible is do not fear, because let's be honest, as human beings, that is our first reaction. Because of how we've grown up in the world, because of just living in the world, we learn fear. And it takes us a while to learn it. If you look at a kid, right, you've all seen the kid where they're up on the top bunk at home and they just jump off into your arms without a second thought, right? Because they are not afraid. And sometimes as parents, we wish they were at least a little afraid because that would probably keep the hospital bills down, right? Like a little bit of fear would probably be good. Um, but kids, they don't know it. Kids are born knowing how to love. They're not born being afraid. The world does that. Living in a fallen world will make you afraid because you figure out real quick, quicker than, than we really should. We learn, out, we learn as children that fear will keep us alive. Fear will keep us from being hurt. Fear helps us get along in the world. And so we learn fear and we can't help it. So by the time that we're our age, by the time you're an adult, even before then in many cases, We've learned fear, and fear is our first reaction, especially of something that, that we don't know. And so, of course, God's first command anytime he interacts with a human is, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Instead, as this passage says, perfect love, the love of God, casts out fear. Now, this love is a love that, that demands action. And this is something we always have to emphasize when we talk about love, especially in our world today. In our world today, we like to talk about love as a feeling. Love is something that happens to you. You can fall in out of, into love. You can fall out of love. Love happens, and it's almost like you have no control over it. And I, and I say at every wedding I do, that's not true. Love is a feeling. That's true. But love is also a choice you make and an action you take. See, at some point, I, and this is what I tell everybody that I, that I either do their premarital counseling or I do their ceremony, I say, there's going to come a point where you don't have that feeling of love. Hopefully it's later rather than sooner, right? Because it's the wedding day. But there will come a point where the feeling of love is gone. And then it's a choice. Are you going to stay loving? Are you going to stay? Are you going to act in a loving way even if you don't feel like it? Because that's when the rubber meets the road. That's the example that God set for us. See, love was a choice that God made. God had every single reason in the world not to love us, right? All the way back to the Israelites. Brings them through the Red Sea. They get to the other side. Moses is up on the mountain just a little too long. Idol worship. He says, you don't want a king. You don't want a king. What do the people do? They want a king. Okay, fine, but the king's going to go bad. And then you have three bad kings for every good king. And then you have everything that goes down 
around Jerusalem in the intertestamental period and then also in the, in the life of Jesus. God has every reason not to love us, but he chooses to love us anyway. And so this love is not just a feeling, it moves us to action. We have to take action. Sometimes it's big action, sometimes it's little action. But nonetheless, we need to operate out of love and not fear. And one of the, and this is, okay, silly story alert, all right? But one of the, the silly ways that I see it um, is when I do my obstacle races. And this is all fresh in my mind because I did one yesterday. So if you noticed me limping around, yeah, it's because I hurt, all right? I did another big one yesterday. But one of the things that I love is that in this place where it's really easy to get hurt and there's all these crazy obstacles and it can very quickly turn into, I want to win, I want to beat you. And it, instead, the opposite happens, and it's almost like everybody's on the same team. Instead of everybody operating from a place of fear, they're operating from a place of love. And the, the second obstacle yesterday was the hero carry, in which you had to find somebody and carry them. And then halfway through, you had to switch, and they had to carry you. Now, this is fine and dandy for people because they, they advertise this as a team race. And so, of course, you'll have your teammates, these people that you know and that you've trained with, trained with, and then you'll carry them. Except my problem is I can't find anybody stupid enough to do these things with me, and so I was alone. So I walk up to this second obstacle. We're not even a mile in, and I'm saying, I need a carry. Somebody going to carry me? And, and some guy just walked up and said, sure, I got you. Like, perfect stranger. So I hop on, he carries me probably a tenth of a mile, and then we switch. That's, that's not fear, that's, that's love, and that's love of a stranger, and that's a sweaty stranger at that, right? Um, but but that, that set the tone for the whole day. Everybody was helping everybody. There's this one that I'll, I'll, I won't forget this one. There's this ten, like this 10-foot wall, and it's like those half pipes that you see skaters on, right? Except there's no lip at the top, so you can't like jump and grab it. Like, there's, it's just more smooth plastic. So at some point, I don't know how the first people got up there, but somebody was already up there. And it's just people running full blast as, as, fa as fast as they can and then leaping and grabbing and hoping someone catches them. And there's somebody leaning over the edge catching people, and then there's two people behind them holding their legs. Yeah, it's, like it's, it's crazy and it's insane and it's fun, but that's love, right? That's a lot of trust. That's not fear. Fear says... If one of those people fall, you're going down, your buddy's going down, and you're going to break something, right? That's what fear says. But no, everybody ch chips in and everybody does it together. Again, I have no team. So I've been, I've been hanging back and I've been tracking this. I, I called them the blue team in my head because they all had blue shirts, didn't know a soul. But I'm following them because they know what they're doing and they're getting it done. So I'm, I'm hanging out with them, waiting in line, waiting my turn, and then, and then it comes. And so I've been watching these people, and they're kind of like half jogging up it and trying to climb the rope or trying to catch them by their hand. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm going full bore. And so I back up. I run as fast as I can, and I keep running up the side of this, and then I just leap, but I haven't, I haven't spaced myself right. So I'm not between two people grabbing two people's hands. There's just this guy hanging out here in midair, and we just hug like 10 feet up this wall. And then I get my legs and somebody else pulls my legs and everybody's hooting and hollering because it was the first hug catch of the day. And it worked, did it on my first try. I helped the next five people and we moved along. But it was just, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just a love, like a camaraderie, right? Like you're all in it together. You all have to watch out for each other. That demanded a lot of action. It demanded a lot of work and muscle. 
sweat and a little bit of blood, but fear would have said, get your part done, even get your, just your team done and move on because you're just increasing your chances of getting hurt. But fear didn't rule the day there. We're all there to conquer fear. We're all there to see what we can do, not what we can't. And so that's just a small way, a silly way, uh, a way that, that's part of why I love these races, is just the way you see everybody come together regardless of whether or not you know each other. And it, it just shows you that love demands action. Love isn't easy. Love will cost you some effort, some energy, and probably at some point some tears along the way. Um, another thing that I found from the good newsletter from the New York Times was this video. If we can go ahead and get it pulled up. And you might have seen this one in the news this week too, because it was too good not to share. It was so good, they put it on normal news, right? Um, it's the Spider-Man in Paris. Have, you, have any of you heard or seen about this? The Spider-Man. So there's this immigrant that comes over from Mali and lands in Paris, okay? And so I'm, I'll set up the video hopefully while we get it pulled up. One minute, all right. Um, so this, this man comes over from Mali. He's in Paris. He has no documents. This is a refugee situation. And he's watching a, a football game. Football there means soccer, right? Watching the football game in the restaurant. And then he hears people screaming and hooting and hollering. And he hears the, the car horns going. And he comes out and maybe, is this? It keeps disconnecting. I was hoping to see it. We'll give it one more minute, otherwise we'll just move right along. And he sees on the fourth floor balcony of this apartment building a three-year-old dangling. Yeah, this three-year-old's dangling from the fourth floor apartment balcony. And without any thought, without a second thought, he runs up, and maybe we've got it working now? Are we a no-go? Ha-ha! Without a second thought, this is what happens. Boom, how's that for a transition? Oh, wait, no. All right, forget it. Oh, yes, awesome. So what you, what you haven't seen is he's already scaled two of these balconies, and this is how he's doing it. He climbs up on one balcony, and then he stands up, and then he leaps up, and then pulls himself up to the next one. He's already done this three times. That's the fourth one. And then he grabs the toddler and gets them to safety. Yeah, it was insane. And, and, and what you actually don't see, what you don't see in a good part of the video is at the beginning, um, there's actually a fence that he had to hop over. So he hops over on this like box delivery truck, hops the fence, and then hops up to the first balcony. Like this guy is insane. And so he's been dubbed the, the Paris Spider-Man. Because yeah, that's some Spider-Man moves. Um, there's a guy, there's a divider. You can't see it, but there's a divider there. Those are two apartment balconies side by side. So he's over on the other balcony trying to help what he, and do what he can, but he can't really reach the kid. So he's holding them safely, but then he actually gets up there and pulls them up and puts them on the balcony. I know, right? It was so good. Like, I watched that, and I was just like, holy cow. That, that is love in action, right? Complete stranger. And really, fear would have said, no, don't do this, because then the cops are going to come, and then they're going to ask you for your papers, which you don't have. You have every reason just to go and look the other way. But now, as a result, um, he met with the French president, and he's actually going to become a naturalized citizen, and he's going to work for fire and rescue. Pretty appropriate. So, yeah, like, it's really awesome. 
So that is a perfect example in the news even, right, of love in action, how love demands something of us that could have gone bad several different ways. And yet he showed up, he showed love, and he showed courage. And so that's what he did. Um, another perfect story, a perfect example, one last one to wrap this up from Scripture is the story of the prodigal son. The story of the prodigal son, as I was um, looking at it this week in the NIV, the updated version, it's the story of the lost son. I think that's important. It's the story of the lost son. And we know that the younger son asks for the money, goes off, squanders it, and comes home after contemplating eating the pig's food. And the dad welcomes him. The dad had just been waiting, welcomes him with arms wide open, puts the robes on, sandals on, puts the ring on him, and throws the party. And then the older son, the older son's bitter. The older son's resentful. Says, you never, you never gave me so much as a fattened calf to have a party with my friends. And then the father responds, but everything I have is yours. And it was yours all along. And then invites him into the party, but we don't know really how the story ends. We don't necessarily know whether or not the older son goes into the party or not. See, the problem is both of these sons are operating from a place of fear. Both of them are, are operating from this place of fear. The younger son does the typical young person thing, right? Well, when I'm 18, I'm moving out, right? That means there's, there's fear at play, not love. Fear means I, I can't wait to get out, and I can't wait to do it on my own, and then I'll be all right. I'm moving out. And they do, and it doesn't turn out well. Now, the older son, though, he's also operating out of fear. Because what we see in his response, you never gave me so much as a fattened calf to have a party with my friends, shows you that he stayed, he was obedient, he was the good son, not out of love, but out of fear. He knew that if he left, he could have ended up like the younger son ended up. He knew that if he had done something, if he had broken out, if he'd done his own thing, he might have failed. He stayed not out of love, but out of fear, out of obligation. And so I think it's interesting that it's the parable of the lost son, but one son goes away and comes home, and he's He's found at the end of the story. That's what the father even says. Who he once thought was dead, who once was lost, now is found. I think sometimes if you think about it differently, from where most of us are probably sitting, are we the older son? Is it the older son that is the lost son? The one standing outside of the party who is so consumed by envy, by resentment, by bitterness, that he can't go in and celebrate his younger brother's homecoming? Is that the real lost son in the lost son story? Because he's consumed by nothing but fear. It's all fear at work. The father is the one that exemplifies love. The father is the one that stands out on the hill looking each and every day, waiting for that son to come home. And then when the son shows up on the horizon, what does the father do? The father runs to him. Love demands action. Love doesn't wait for things to come around your way and for them to get right. Love moves first. Love goes and meets the son. Love says to the older son, everything I have is yours. And doesn't say, you stay out here and learn your lesson, but no, come into the party and let us celebrate together. And so the choice is ours each and every day, each and every week. Are we going to operate from a basis of love or from a basis of fear? And it's so easy in our holiness tradition to base our holiness on fear. Do this, don't do that. Because you'll lose your salvation or you'll lose your sanctification. 
because you'll go to hell, because you'll go to heaven. We end up basing our holiness from a place of fear. I have to do this or else, and that's punishment. Instead, true holiness comes from a place of love. It comes from perfect love. Perfect love drives out fear. Love doesn't have anything to do with punishment. Love is what inspires us to holiness over the long haul. Fear will eventually burn out. Eventually, you'll get fed up with fear, and you'll say, forget it, and walk away from the whole thing. Eventually, fear burns itself out just like it does with the younger son. And you realize, what's the point? I'm eating the pig's food. I might as well go home. That home he couldn't wait to get out of until he turned 18. He comes going home because he knows at least being there and even experiencing a servant's love is better than being out on his own. And so that's what he does. Fear will burn out. You can't sustain fear over the long haul. It'll eat you up from the inside out. Instead, it's love that moves us to Christ-likeness. It's love that moves us to holiness, to righteousness, to the kind of life that God is calling each and every one of us to. It's out of doing it all out of a response of love for God because God first loved us. And that's what 1 John chapter 4 says. True holiness, true Christ-likeness comes from love, not from fear. So I'd like us all to stand together as we close in a word of prayer. I hope you'll recognize those choices you have this week, the little ones and the big ones, to operate out of love instead of fear. And I, I think Jeff was on the right track with his puppet show this morning. When you have that choice in front of you, take a deep breath, breathe, give yourself a moment, and say, perfect love casts out fear. Let us pray together. Father, thank you for this opportunity to be reminded of the power of your love to be reminded of what it is that your love calls us to, that your love calls us to action. It's not just a feeling, it's not just warm fuzzies, but it, it actually demands something of us, and that something is Christ-likeness, holiness in action. And so as we go from this place, may we carry this reminder with us. May we open our eyes to the reality that it is your spirit living in us, and it's your spirit that makes this love possible. It's your spirit, your grace, that makes it possible for us to choose love over fear whether it's something as silly as an obstacle race or something as just awe-inspiring as saving a child, Father, may we choose love each and every day over fear. And so may we spur one another on towards love and good deeds. May we help one another to make those good choices, to, to choose love over fear. And may we reject fear wherever we find it, whether it's in our own hearts or in our news or in our culture. Instead, may we rest in the assurance that is your love for us, the love that sent your son for our sins, the love that sent your son while we were still sinners, the love that first loved us. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Go in grace and peace.